Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We all need a little encouragement, and this is something that we can all do. Today, we talk about five aspects of encouragement. You're listening to Encourage One Another by Reverend Peter Yonker. We have actually two scripture passages to this morning, two that I'll be meditating on. There's the one listed in your bulletin from Thessalonians, but there's also one from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 11 through 18, and that is found on page 1863 in your pew Bibles. After that, I'll be going to Thessalonians, and that one's on page 1838. So let's start with the Hebrews passage. And before I read it, let me say and let me remind you that we are in the middle of a sermon series on the one another's of the New Testament. We're in a season where community has been strained, where these forces that are pulling people apart from each other. And so for the fall, we're turning together towards these texts where the New Testament teaches us how to live together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to, how to, to enact the unity that we have in Jesus. And last week was accept one another. This week, we will hear about encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 3, starting at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another as long, daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who are they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. That was Hebrews. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I will start at verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day, and he's talking about the coming of the Lord, judgment day, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and hope as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as you, in fact, are already doing. This is the word of the Lord. 
So I enjoyed uh, thinking about encouragement this week, although I will admit to you that when I got to my desk on Monday and I started thinking about encouragement, I said, encouragement, what in heaven's name am I going to say to these people? Encouragement, it seems so simple, so basic. What could be interesting about something so basic? But then I realized it was interesting and precisely what made it interesting is the fact that encouragement is basic. And in times of crisis, you need to go to the basics. When a football team is struggling, when they cannot score touchdowns and they cannot defend, what do they do? The coach makes them go back to the basics. Or, maybe a better analogy, after a young woman has a car accident and experiences enormous physical trauma, before the accident, she could walk without thinking. She could walk forward, she could walk backward, she could run, she could skip, she could turn around, she could do it without thinking. But now, after the accident and the trauma, she has to go into rehab. And she's a physical therapist. And every single part of walking, she has to learn step by step by step. She has to go back to the basics. How do I walk? How do I lift my leg? How do I set my feet down? How do I keep my balance? What does my body feel like when I walk? To think about encouragement is to go back to the absolute basics. Because encouragement is a basic of community love. Encouragement is a fundamental part of any kind of loving community. Just like lifting your leg is fundamental to walking, Encouraging one another is fundamental to living in a productive community. There's more to a productive community than encouragement, but a, a community that tries to live together as community without encouragement will limp, will not be wholehearted. And maybe this is a good metaphor for our whole series, this physical therapy metaphor, this return to the basics metaphor. All of us in all these sermons, these one another sermons, will be thinking about the absolute basics of how to love each other well, returning to the basics, going through physical therapy. And maybe you think in this analogy that makes me the physical therapist leading you through these, these basic exercises. You would be wrong about that because I need this basic training as much as you do. I stand under the same scripture, under the same spirit, and I have the same struggles with dealing with one another. So today, let us go back to this one basic thing in our community love. Let us go back to encouragement. And based on our passages and based on the rest of Scripture, I want to say to you five things about encouragement, about this basic thing. And um, I know that's not three, that's five. But do not be afraid, this is a regular length sermon. First thing I want to say about encouragement is encouragement is deeply, deeply biblical. I chose two Bible passages where that call to encourage one another was specific. I think you all heard that. But the word for encouragement, which is a word parakaleo, parakaleo, occurs throughout the New Testament. In fact, if you count it up, if you go to a Greek concordance and look at the verb parakaleo and all its cognates, so the noun forms and the participle forms. The word for encouragement occurs 138 times in Scripture in the New Testament. So that's a lot. 
Now, it's not always translated as encouragement. Sometimes it's translated as urge or exhort or comfort or consolation. About 138 times, that is the word that you see. That word, parakaleo, just like the word we heard last week, is a compound word. There's two parts to it. You can kind of hear it. Para, kaleo. And para in the Greek is like parallel, means to come alongside something, right? Parallel, beside. Kaleo, you can hear an English word in that, is to call. So to call from alongside. It's also then a word, like last week, that has a kind of picture with it. The picture is someone who comes alongside you and says, hey, we can do this. You can do this. You got this. Let's go. Parakaleo. The image that comes most specifically to my mind is watching my kids when they used to run cross-country in high school. And if any of you ever watched or have run cross-country, you'll know that there's something that happens in a meet. If you're running and you're coming up, especially at the end of a race, to a teammate and you're catching up to them and you finally get side by side, you're supposed to say to that teammate, run with me, go with me, come on, we can do this, let's, let's pick it up, let's go together, parakaleo. Not only is the New Testament full of this word of, of mutual com- uh, exhortation and comfort, when you think about it, the New Testament itself is encouragement. The reason for a lot of the books, the reason for almost all the letters is encouragement. It's the purpose. Paul wrote the letter to the Thessalonians to encourage the Thessalonian church. The author of the book of Hebrews wrote the letter to the Hebrews to a church that was really, really tired and needed encouragement. The Gospels are given to you for your encouragement. Book of Acts is given to the early church under pressure for its encouragement. So when you put together all the occurrences of this word and then the simple fact that the New Testament itself is encouragement, you see that this is a deeply biblical word. Here's something that I read this week that I think helps me understand why it's so important in the New Testament. One author I read said this, encouragement uh, helps doctrine become culture. Encouragement helps doctrine to become culture. How does, what do I mean by that? Well, we all learn doctrine. We all learn teaching growing up, right? We go to church school. We go to catechism and say, I learn a doctrine like providence. God didn't just create the world. He also watches over the world. He's working all things for good for our salvation. That's a doctrine I learn in my head. I get it in my head. I walk around. I can recite it. It doesn't become culture and community until one day I have a friend who is going through a hard time and I come alongside that person, para them, and I say to them, don't forget, God is with you. He's watching over us. He's taking care of us. You are going to be okay. You see what happens there? In the encouragement, the teaching becomes community. The doctrine becomes culture. The word becomes something like flesh. A deeply biblical word that is enormously powerful for creating community. That's point number one. Point number two, not only is is encouragement deeply biblical, it's also really, really easy. 
Anyone can do this. If you got yourself to church this morning, you can do this. Kindergartners can do this. Kindergartners do do this. My wife, as you know, or many of you, is a kindergarten teacher. And she will certainly share with me some of the, um, the, shall we say, the shortcomings of kindergartners once in a while. But she also shares what's really great about them. And one of the things that's really great about them is that they're pretty good encouragers. So for example, um, my wife will be telling a Bible story and maybe the Bible story has a horse in it and she will draw the picture of a horse on the board for the kids. And one of the kids will say, Mrs. Yonker, you are a great drawer. And she'll turn around and all the kids will be going, oh yeah, Mrs. Yonker's a great drawer. Even though my wife knows that she's just a very ordinary drawer, um, she receives this encouragement. And, and even though my wife knows that, that she's an ordinary drawer, does this encouragement from kindergartners make her day better? Does it lift her up? Absolutely it does. Anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. Years ago, I read an article in the Atlantic Monthly called um, Basic Kindness and Suicide. It was a fascinating article. And it opened with a story of someone named Johnny Benjamin. Johnny Benjamin, uh, when he was uh, in his early 20s, was working in London, England. And like a lot of young people, he was lonely and he found himself getting caught in a downward spiral of sadness. So bad that one day he decided to walk out onto the Waterloo Bridge, which is there in downtown London, and he climbed up on the edge and he was about to jump when a total stranger came by and said this to him, don't worry, mate, it'll get better. That's all he said. Don't worry, mate, it'll get better. And that was enough to stop Johnny and make him turn. He got down, and then that, that person who said those words said, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. And they sat down for half an hour and had a cup of coffee. And that, that little bit of encouragement totally changed his life. He never saw that person again until he was in his 40s and through social media sent out this massive campaign to find this person. And they find, finally found each other again and they sat down and had a cup of coffee again. But it's a testament to the power of encouragement. Anyone can do this and it is life-changing. You can do this. You can say a word. You can send a text. You can send an email. You can write a card. You can do this. It's easy. Third point. Encouragement is a practice that is especially important in wilderness times. Encouragement's a practice that's trying to form our habit of mind when we're living in wilderness times. Maybe you noticed that in both the Bible passages I read, they're both addressed to a church that are dealing with crisis, trouble, in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews even uses the image of wilderness to describe what the church is going through, compares the church to the Israelites under Moses going through the wilderness. Now, in their wilderness times, the, the, the Israelites developed a bad habit of mind. What was the habit of mind that the Israelites got into when they were in their wilderness times? It was grumbling. Right? Grumbling became their habit of mind. They, 
They didn't think about God's great deliverance in the past. They didn't think about God's promises in the future. They grumbled and complained. And in the book of Exodus, that is absolutely toxic to their community, right? When times are complicated and uncertain, there's something in us that wants to grumble. And if the book of Exodus doesn't convince you of that, I'm sure the pandemic has. But in our trials and in our wilderness, the author of Hebrews says, don't get into that negative habit of mind. Encourage one another. Encourage one another while it is still day. Encourage one another through the wilderness. Thessalonians, Paul doesn't use Exodus as an example, but he he uses, uses the image of darkness and says, you're not darkness, you're children of light. Encourage one another. I'm not going to go into any great disquisition about the difficulty of our times and how we're going through hard things together. We all know that. I'm not going to say anything more about that, but I will say this. Everybody these days is saying, what can we do? What small thing can I do to make my neighborhood better, to build trust? Here's something basic and biblical. Encourage one another. Encourage someone every day. So simple. Fourth point, good encouragement pays attention. And specifically, good encouragement pays attention to the shape of the pain of the person you're trying to encourage. There's a proverb that can help us here, Proverbs 25, verse 20. And that proverb says this, like vinegar on an open wound is a person who sings songs to a heavy heart. Like vinegar on an open wound is someone who sings songs to a heavy heart. And that's trying to tell us that when you encourage someone, if you come to someone, say, who's deeply sad, you you can't come up to them and say, hey, don't be such a grumpy kins, cheer up. It just won't meet their pain. Good encouragement pays attention to the other person and what they're going through and tries to shape that encouragement to the other person's struggle. So for example... You know that your daughter-in-law is anxious about her parenting. You know that she stresses about about whether she's doing a good job. So one day when you all go out together and you have a wonderful time and the kids are well-behaved, you get home and you send her a text and it says, I had such a good time with little Johnny today. He's turning into such a nice boy. You guys are doing a great job. Encouragement, but not general encouragement, specifically aimed to the pain and discouragement of the other person's heart. This is one of the places where encouragement is different than flattery. Flattery sometimes sounds like encouragement, but when we flatter someone, uh, we're, we're selling them nice things in order to manipulate them and to get them to do what we want, right? To get them on our side, to get their money, to get them to do something for us. Flattery is telling something nice, For your sake, encouragement is going towards, alongside the other person, and speaking to their woundedness and helping them to move forward. Point five, and this is the most important point of all, in my opinion. Christian encouragement ultimately grounds itself in God's story. Christian encouragement is grounded in God's story. When we encourage someone we're probably saying two kinds of things. We're either telling them 
the person that we're trying to encourage that they have more resources than they think. You can do it. You're stronger than you think. You got this. Or we encourage them to imagine a better future than they think is out there. Don't worry, mate. It'll get better. We either sort of say something about their capacities or we suggest a better future than they're thinking of. And that's wonderful. That's good. But Christian encouragement is better because it grounds itself in bigger capacities and a better future. It's not my capacity that gives me hope. It's Christ in me. It's the Holy Spirit in me who does more than I can ask or imagine. It's not my ability or your ability to create a future that gives me hope. It's the promise of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, which is unshakable. And if you notice that in both our passages, the encouragement given is grounded in that larger story of God. In Thessalonians, Paul says, you were not appointed to suffer wrath. You are appointed for salvation in Jesus Christ. Your future is secure with him. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says to a struggling church, you're not going to fall down. You're not going to perish in the wilderness. You belong to Jesus. You share in him. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. So by all means, when you encourage, say something nice about the person's capacity, but then go one step further and tell them about the capacity they have in Jesus Christ, their Lord. And by all means, suggest to them a human future which is better than they imagine, but then go one step further and tell them about the future that is ours through the power of the Holy Spirit. I said at the beginning of this sermon that the New Testament is full of encouragement. You know who uh, does a lot of really great New Testament encouragement? You know who's a really great encourager? Jesus. Jesus, when he was on this earth, is constantly encouraging. And so many of the encouraging things he said to us are foundational to your life. So I want to close this sermon just by helping you remember some of those encouragements that Jesus gave to you before you go out into this week. Have no fear, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. I am the resurrection and the life. The person who believes in me will live even though that person dies. In my father's house, there are many rooms and I've gone ahead to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, would I have told you? Behold, I am with you always even to the ends of the age. Great words. Words to build a life on. Encourage one another with these words. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your words of encouragement to us because you alone, you alone, know the shape of our discouragement and the shape of our fear and the shape of our worry Thank you that, again, you speak to that worry 
and give us a hope that cannot be shaken. May that hope um, fill us again today uh, before we are about to go out into the world. May it strengthen us and may it prepare us for whatever you have in store for us this week. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.